0: Des Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Today's guest joins us from beautiful Wes Kerry, a musician, a wonderful filmmaker and broadcaster here on RTE Radio with the South Wind Blows amongst many other great achievements. Philip King is our guest. And of course, Philip began his musical career as a member of Scullion. That must have been a wonderful time as a youngster.
1: Well, it was a fantastic
0: experience
1: um, and continues to be a very, very wonderful experience for us to be able to get up and to play music, I suppose, almost 40 years since we began doing it day one. Myself and Sonny Condell, who was a member of Tiernan Ogue and the late Greg Boland and Jimmy O'Brien and the piper from County Waterford, began the band. And it was A remarkable time for music. It was a remarkable coming together of various different strands of tradition and songwriting. And I think Sonny Condell's playing and his music and his songwriting were the musical heart and soul of the band. And it was very new at the time because it was bringing different strands of music and different styles together. And uh, there was great warmth for it. And of course there was a gigging scene around the country then. And I think after this lockdown and when we find a new way of doing things, maybe that will come back. But it was a a brilliant scene to be able to travel around Ireland and stand up and open your mouth and sing. And I suppose it was a natural beginning and a conclusion, if you like, to my own musical life uh, growing up in Cork City. Uh, All those years ago, it was a very, very musical place and I loved every bit of it and Rory Gallagher was there and Sean O'Reilly was there and again those two mixtures of the blues on the one hand and on the other um, Sean O'Rierda's, um great innovating power to take traditional music and give it a new gloss and turn it into what became I suppose the foundation stone of what we call modern Irish traditional music now.
0: But you were obviously quite a thinker for a young man. I mean, because for instance, bringing it all back home, which was so hugely successful, it was about the various strands and the coming together of the various strands of music, wasn't it?
1: Well, it was about that, but it was about many other things as well. I suppose I could go back and tell you this story. Um, When I was growing up in Cork City, I remember going back to walking down Washington Street with my father every Stevens morning. And we'd get to the Grand Parade and there facing us was the Capitol Cinema. And every lunchtime on Stevens's Day, we used to all go down to the pictures. And this was in the 50s. And everybody, of course, every young fellow in Cork had a cowboy hat, a waistcoat <laughs> and a gun and holster. So you'd march up the steps of the cinema, right? Yeah. And you'd get your ticket and then you'd be just about to go in and a man would come out, the commissioner with his lovely coat and the goldy buttons would come out and say, you have to hand in your gun now, son. Right? <laughs> so, you don't buckle the gun, hand in the gun and holster and go into the pictures. But that grew into, say, maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years later, going to the cinema in the same place and seeing James Dean and seeing Elvis Presley and hearing all of this rock and roll and music that came out of America. And it was in the very, very same cinema that I saw Rory Gallagher play for the first time. I went to school in Colossus Brydney of the same school that Jimmy Barry Murphy went to and we were marched down again two by two down the Western Road and into the Grand Parade and up the steps of the Capitol Cinema for a Pioneer Rally. And there at the Pioneer Rally were various different variety performers. I remember two comedians from Limerick, Tom and Pascal, were there. And lo and behold, who comes onto the stage in his Czech shirt? Only Rory Gallagher. And life was never the same after that. Um, He had a profound effect on me. Um, And many years later, uh, when I was doing the Green Groves on on RT Radio 1, as it was, and... um, Rory used to ring up every so often and sort of say, what was that you played? And he played of traditional music and he was just so interested and I was very lucky to get to know him. And um, he was a remarkable man full of vivacity and full of energy and with a great and deep understanding of the blues. And that was formed in his own hometown, the hometown of Cork, which we used to always then refer to, I suppose, grandiosely as... The Lee Delta, right, where the blues really began. And Rory was our man. And sure, we all fell in love with him. And he gave us a great sense of self, a sense of energy. And we tuned into American Forces Network and heard the blues coming out of Germany. And we heard Rory playing. And it was just those notes of music dropped into my ear at that very early age, really sent me on the musical expedition that I've been on for the rest of my life, does. Mm,
0: the Ballyshannon people will claim they lent him to you, but that's that's for another day. <laughs> but, but you've chosen as your first musical piece, not surprisingly, Rory Gallagher. Yeah, and
1: I mean, it speaks for itself. You hear the liveness of him. It was recorded for that Live in Europe uh, record. Um, you hear his plea that when everything goes wrong, uh, when you've got the blues what you've got to do is you've got to get up and go back to your hometown. Go into my hometown, Rory.
0: Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Rory Gallagher, the choice of today's guest, musician, filmmaker and broadcaster Philip King. Now, Philip, of course, you were part of that wonderful series Bringing It All Back Home, which won an Emmy for Nuala O'Connor. Given that it's 30 years old, can you fill in our younger listeners' on the whole experience
1: well when we were listening to Rory there uh, Des I was I, I was thinking about you know the blues coming to Ireland and the blues coming up the Lee Delta to us and I thought to myself as I was growing up what happened to our music where did it go where did it end up and in the heads and the hands and the feet of what we would call today economic migrants who began leaving here in their droves after the famine They took in their heads and their hands and their feet a remarkable and a remarkably rich source of music and tradition. The music fetched up in all sorts of places, in the United States in particular, in the great cities of Chicago, in Boston, New York and Philadelphia and became part of what I would call today Tin Pan Alley. It became an intellectual property but it also migrated down through the Cumberland Gap and into Appalachia and left an indelible thumbprint on the making of American country music, bluegrass music. And those thoughts didn't happen all of a sudden, but I always wondered where the music went. And we went and followed that notion, and we found ourselves in in Nashville, in Tennessee, Donald Lunny and Mary Black and Dolores Keane and myself and a whole team of musicians working with uh, the great Jim Rooney and meeting the late John Prine and meeting Emmylou Harris and meeting Ricky Skaggs, who always said, he said, that high lonesome sound in Kentucky is the music remembering where it came from. And I always remember that poem as well, by the Donegal poet Moya Cannon and she says it was always those with a little else to carry who carried the songs and that's what we did we carried the songs we carried the tunes with us and I suppose the revelatory thing about bringing it all back home was when I met all of those American musicians they said you know what, we could not do what we do without you having given us some of your musical DNA and we are so delighted to be able to tell this story and to sit in rooms. So sitting in rooms with people like the Everly Brothers and Liam O'Flynn playing with them, and when the Everly Brothers, the great rock and rollers that they were, and such an influence on, you know, the Beatles and everybody else and Simon and Garfunkel, and when they opened their voices to sing that day, it truly was a magical moment because nobody sang like that. And maybe we should hear maybe a little bit of the Everly Brothers "Twas down
0: in a willow garden, I guess. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's the Everly Brothers, the choice of today's guest, Philip King. Planksy are very important in your life too, Philip.
1: Hugely important. Um... There was a very, very strong musical scene in Cork City and we used to go to a bar on Union Quay, you may remember it, Des, called the Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And it was a great home for music. Mrs Willis, who was the woman of the house there, and her family were great singers and musicians, beautiful musicians. And it became, I suppose, a lightning rod and a magnetic place for musicians to want to go. I remember being in there one night, oh, many, many years ago, and we were getting ready to go and see Donovan playing in the City Hall across the way. In, in Cork City up the steps we went and in down the back and there supporting Donovan were Planksty and this might have been with hindsight now going back this was probably maybe their second or third gig ever and Christy Christy Moore and Donal Lunny and Andy Irvine and the late and wonderful Liam O'Flynn walked onto the stage and the first song that they played was The Raggle Taggle Gypsy And everybody listened to this. And then they tagged on the tune, um, threw them the love at the end of it. And I remember that as being a transformative moment because it was almost as if every hand in the room went up in the air and said, that's ours. That is something that belongs to us. We probably didn't know where it came from exactly, but there was something so vibrant and so energetic, so traditional and yet so modern and relevant about this that it was a life-changing musical experience for me. And uh, I, I, I just, I, I always remember it. I just, just, I take it with me everywhere I go.
0: Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. That's Plankste there, Tour Them The Live. Uh, the choice of Philip King. And Philip, amongst the many wonderful pieces you have recorded and produced, you've you've brought musicians of all types to Dingle. And there was one standout performance, Amy Winehouse arriving to Dingle. Talk to us about that.
1: Well, other voices began here in West Kerry, probably in many ways because of where I'm sitting now, speaking to you exactly. I began doing the radio programme Um The south wind blows way back then, 18 years, 19 years, almost 20 years ago. And Glenn Hansard was down around this part of the world and Glenn and myself got to talking and he was saying, you know, have you heard this music and have you heard that and have you heard Damien Rice and have you heard Lisa Hannigan did you hear Damien Dempsey? And we had this notion that we might try and invite some folks to come to West Kerry and find a room that we could go to and asked them to sing and to play. And to cut a long story short, we did. It was in the Church of St. James in the Main Street, here in Dingle, right opposite Benner's Hotel. And musicians from Ireland and of every stripe from around the world have come here, and there have been many, many outstanding performances. And many artists began their career here and have gone on to great things. But I suppose looking back on it now um, with great... I suppose sadness in many ways, but the sort of delight also of having seen Amy Winehouse sing. She had a bass player and a guitar player with her, no drummer, and she was the sort of person who could really sing anything. She was three things, if you liked, as as you'd say, a singer, a singer and a singer. She could really carry a song. And her performance was mesmerising. Some people have voted it one of the top 10 gigs of all time. And I remember her arriving, getting off the bus. She flew into Cork and we had a bus to go and pick her up. And she was just so slight and tiny with her sort of tumbling over beehive hairdo and a leather jacket. And I said to her, do you need anything at all? And she said, I'd love a packet of crisps. So we got her (laughs) a packet of crisps and she went across the road and sang like a real, real bird and she was vulnerable and she was open and there was nothing she didn't know really about music even at that age. She was sophisticated in every way musically and she sang a version of Back to Black that I suppose sticks the hairs up on the back of my neck to this day and she said when she was leaving, you know, she said... I was very happy here. It was great to be here. And of course, we know the rest of the story. We really never saw her again.
0: Des's Island Discs on RTÉ Radio 1. That's Amy Winehouse, the choice of filmmaker, broadcaster, musician Philip King our guest today and it is so sad to hear Amy Winehouse now when we think of her death at such a dreadfully young age, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I mean, it's a,
1: it's a very vulnerable life, uh, the life of a musician. I said er, a little earlier on that uh, the music fell into my ear at a very early age. I was captivated by it and I've loved it all my life. I think it has um, magical power, really. And I think it's a salve, as I said on Morning Ireland recently, and a sucker. It's a help to us. And that's borne out by the series that we just did quite recently, Um, the Other Voices Courage series, a series of live streams that we put together from a number of venues or a a number of locations, rather, um, in Dublin. The first number were done in Whelans and Wexford Street, a great old gigging venue, and we're hoping that it'll open again. And then we went to the National Gallery of Ireland and then to um, the National Library. But We were amazed that 2 million people, this was reached by 2 million people, and that it was viewed now, I think, by about 1.25 million people since we started doing this thing. And it was the power of the music, really, to collapse distance at a time of isolation and to bring us together. And what we were attempting to do, as we've done, with everything that we've been involved with and that I've been involved with, production-wise and musically, is to cherish and celebrate the musicians and at the same time to put a platform there for the musicians to be able to do what they do and offer their magic to people um, at times of difficulty and offer their delight to people at times of joy. And the emotional reaction to the live streams where people could actually speak to the artists on a screen and send in notes, if you like, from all around the place. And Tony Houlihan sent a tweet on the night uh, of uh, Lisa Hannigan and he said, you know, this is a gift to the nation. And what I'd say, Des, is that in my musical expedition from the Capitol Cinema in Cork to sitting here talking to you now, Um, I have realised that we have a magnificent resource here in Ireland. It is something that makes us audible and visible on a world stage. It is a creative resource that we have, informed by the other natural resource of imagination which we have in spades. And we're going to need this uh, music and this stuff and this art and this culture to sustain us on the rocky road that is going to be ahead as we emerge from where we are now and head out into, I suppose, the unknown and a new world before us. But this thing is something that, to take me back to the Planksteen thing, this is ours. We can share it with each other. We can cherish the artists and we need to cherish the artists who make it and it will become and a massively important resource for us as we begin to reconnect in that human sense with each other.
0: Fantastic. And your final musical choice, Philip King, is from Earher Curie, from West Kerry, uh, Steve Cooney.
1: Yes, um, it is Steve Cooney. And Steve Cooney and Earlo Leonard uh, did one of our Other Voices Courage pieces from the National Gallery in Ireland and it was beautiful to see both of them in that magnificent Shaw room with Daniel O'Connell looking down and The Marriage of Aoife and Strongbow up on the wall behind them. And um, Steve is a remarkable musician. He has a great relationship with this part of the world. He's now living in Thielen, just outside Thielen, in County Donegal and he's made a record recently of harp tunes that he has transposed for the guitar and it is truly, truly magical music and this is his version of Shivyog Shivor and as a sort of a, a bookend really we began with Rory Gallagher and i remember when rory sadly died that the great Ray Cooter, um was in vienna playing two days later and he played a version of Sibheog Shivor, and he said, I learnt the second part of this tune from Rory Gallagher. Yeah. So we listened to maybe, to take us off into the rest of the evening, I suppose, really, to to to, to Steve playing his version of Sibheog shivor
0: Philip, Kim you very Paul Falter,
1: Des. Thanks a million. Um, a, a delight to talk to you.
0: Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.